time. Thank you for joining us for another episode of In My Shoes, a podcast for women of color, where we talk about the issues that we're facing every day. We tell our unique stories. We talk about the things that we are chatting with, with our girlfriends. We are here for all of it. Um, And today will be a solo episode. So it's just me. Um, I found out something very interesting the other day as I was going through the episodes that I'd be sharing with you guys over the next several weeks. And I realized that March, I just kind of stumbled across this, is National Endometriosis Awareness Month. And I had been toying with, um, you know, really talking about a couple of topics that I have really seen um, come to the forefront a lot for women of color in the last few years. We're talking about it more. And one was mental health. And you guys know that I've been championing talking about that for quite some time. And the other was just talking about uh, not only just infertility, but what causes it? Why is it that there are certain things that seem to impact uh, black women and women of color more than any other group of women? And endometriosis is one of those. We are diagnosed with endometriosis at a much higher rate. It does impact us more than any other uh, ethnic group of, of women. And just for those who may not know, uh, National Endometriosis Awareness Month is every March and this started in 1993. Endometriosis is a disorder where the endometrial tissue migrates to areas outside of the uterus. Uh, The endometrial tissue, which is the inner lining of the uterus, um, is the same tissue that thickens during the menstrual cycle. And when the endometrial tissue sheds, it is discharged along with the blood causing menstruation. I'm reading this y'all because I want to get it straight. In endometriosis, in the endometriosis process, Uh, When this occurs outside the uterus, where the blood has nowhere to go, it causes pain in the pelvic region. And so you can have pelvic pain, painful uh, periods, uh, painful intercourse, and uh, infertility. And when I was diagnosed uh, with fibroids, I was also diagnosed with endometriosis. And so I won't get into all of the um, backstory. Um, I have other episodes if you want to go back and listen to those. But just to bring everybody up to speed... Um, I was diagnosed with endometriosis and fibroids, and we dealt more with the fibroids. Uh, They were removed, started coming back. I knew in a few years I'd be back to have them removed again. Um, As you know, my uh, choice was to become a mom through adoption, and so uh, not being able to give birth was not an issue for me. When I finally got my doctor on the same page, we had the partial in my 20s, right? So I leave there thinking, oh, praise the Lord, right? That's over. And a few months later, started having similar symptoms to what I was experiencing before. And I thought, this is weird. Uh, So I go back to the doctor and happened to have the nurse practitioner in that day. And she said, well, honey, you have endometriosis also. And so like the look of like, huh, on my face, I'm sure was rich because I assumed that they were connected and dealing with one would take care of the other. And that is not correct. Um, From what I understand about endometriosis, it is fueled by hormone production. And since I still had my ovaries, um, I was still producing hormones, thereby aggravating the endometriosis. So you get the picture. I'm in this vicious cycle. And as you know, it meant multiple surgeries to kind of clean up some of the tissue that had um, been growing outside of the uterus. Even though I no longer had one, there was still tissue growing outside of the uterus. It was on the ovaries. I had cysts the whole nine. And uh, as you know, finally had a... Uh, full hysterectomy. Um, they completed that process. It's been about two months now. And uh, I've met a lot of women as I've been talking about this uh, who have shared their story with me. And one of the things that I found most interesting is the uh, infertility part 
and the emotion that is around that. Um, it's bad enough. I don't know about a lot of you, but sometimes I felt like, you know, almost such like such a wimp. I'm, I'm in pain. I'm trying to get up to go to work. And um, you feel like, gosh, it's just, you know, before I had the uh, partial, it's just your period. And even after there was excruciating pain, like I had all of the symptoms of a cycle. I just didn't actually have a cycle. And even talking about it, using words like period, fallopian tube, uterus, you know, it's stuff that we feel like we don't talk about in open spaces. Uh, but I think it's important that we do that. And for men and women to, to know and to have this conversation and uh, the part around infertility that has been most, um, I guess, the, the saddest part for me um, is there is some shame around that. And not only around the fact that you have this condition that a lot of black women have that you didn't ask for. And there's, as far as we know, nothing you can do to prevent it. Because again, as I've said in the past, when it's hitting people of color, there isn't always this rush to get a research you know, study going, not that they don't do research, but it isn't as aggressive as it would be if it were happening in the mainstream. So as far as we know, I don't know if anything you can do to stop yourself from getting endometriosis or fibroid tumors for that matter. And, you know, the shame that's around it, if you decide that you want to have IVF, let's say, um, you know, it's like, you got to, you got to talk about it in some back room, like this procedure that you're going through that you hope results in a baby, like this thing that you, you know, you, you want to have a family and everybody's excited when you see pictures of baby. Oh, so cute. But the process that you're going through to try to have the baby, it's like, you got to do it in secret because we just don't talk about it in communities of color. Um, there are not a lot of people who are open about the process. Um, and so you're going through it almost like it's this shameful thing and do not say you're going to use a surrogate. Um, you know, it's like a surrogate. People <laughs> look at you like, what are you talking about? Uh, and I think that it's unfortunate because it makes it hard for us to be, um, I guess not, not, to, not just to be open, um, but to really, be free to talk about what's going on in our lives with your friends, with your family. And you need an outlet for that because infertility is an emotional journey. It was emotional for me and I wasn't, you know, I call it my accidental infertility journey because I wasn't doing it to try to get pregnant, but it was still emotional. It was the doctor's visits. It was the going to the doctor. Now I got to have another procedure. It was fighting with the doctors because they think they know best, even though it's my body and, you know, I know what I know what I want. I know you think that I'm going to change my mind because I'm young and I'm going to regret not getting pregnant, which, by the way, I've never regretted. But I know my body. I know what I'm dealing with. So it was all of that. It was the um, it, it was just, you know, here's another procedure. I got to figure out what to do about work. I got to, you know, uh, when I had the fibroids removed, I was a mom. So, you know, for six weeks or three weeks, however long it was, I couldn't pick my baby up and figuring out how I'm going to, what to do about that. Thank God my room was downstairs because I couldn't climb the stairs. You could like, and then, okay, I think it's done. And then now here we go again, they're coming back. So now finally you're going to agree to do what I asked you to do in the first place. Right. And then I think it's over and now, oh, no, now you got this going on. So it was hard for me and I wasn't trying to have a child. Imagine what it's like for somebody who's going through all of this, not just because of the pain that they're in uh, physically, but because emotionally they're in pain because they want to be a parent. And this 
thing that they have no control over is preventing that. And then not to be able to talk about these options that you found. And let's not talk about how much it costs, right? It ain't cheap to do IVF. It's not cheap to do surrogacy. Heck, it ain't cheap to have surgery, to have done what I had done, right? I just looked at my um, explanation of benefits today because I got a bill for the anesthesiologist and I guess for the uh, certified uh, nurse anesthetist. And it was the same charge twice. I'm like, why? Oh, I got to pay him and the nurse, right? And then I have no control over where you send my blood while I'm in the hospital, but that was out of network. So I got another bill for that. Like when I looked through, I was like, God, I got four or five other bills to pay on top of the hospital bill that I had to pay, right? Where I didn't even stay and they, you know, sent me home at 1.30 in the morning, but I digress. So I I can just imagine the financial, um, strain and then there's the emotional strain there's the physical strain on your body um it's a lot and to not be able to sit across from a person who looks like you right that you can talk to and don't get me wrong I'm not saying that um talking to someone in the mainstream isn't okay to do or to have a support group where you're you're talking to white women or what have you but there's something about being able to see people that look like you who are doing the same thing that you're doing. You don't feel like you're like an anomaly, right? Because sometimes that's what it can feel like. And um, I just wish that we as a people could get out of that and talk more about how this is affecting women in all aspects of their lives. Like it can take over, you know, the shots you got to have and the egg retrieval and all of those things. And don't forget, you can do all of this and there's still no guarantee that you'll get pregnant. You know, like my doctor was all excited. I think I told this story once before when he first removed the fibroids. He, um, you know, I was asking him about birth control and he looked at me like I had six heads. You know, I had a baby. My baby was a baby. And um, he was like, oh, you know, um, you have a small window to get pregnant. And you probably have to have a C-section. You know, the more he talks about it, the less appealing it sounded to me. Um, but you have this small window. And so I said, close the window, close it. And so he, he was shocked. I was like, I, I didn't do this to try to get pregnant. I did it because I was in pain that was just becoming unbearable. And I think from a societal standpoint, oh, she just having cramps. Oh, she on a cycle. And we make light of it. And you just don't understand how debilitating it actually can be um, on a monthly basis and sometimes more than once a month. So, um, you know, I, I was I was I was like so serious in part because I knew for me emotionally trying to have a child biologically um, can be very, very, very difficult on a marriage, on your psyche, when you keep trying this procedure and it doesn't work and you keep trying that procedure and it doesn't work. Um, and so obviously, as I've said multiple times, we went in a different, on a different path, but for women who want to be able to experience childbirth and having a child biologically, um, I can only imagine how gut wrenching it has to be. And then you don't have a place to go to talk about it, which I guess then 
kind of goes into mental health, right? Which is the other thing I said that I'm very passionate about us talking about more on the podcast, because when you don't have a place to talk about what you're going through, that stuff builds up. Um, and at some point you're going to explode and it could be at the most inopportune time over something that is very trivial. Um, you know, it may be at that fifth baby shower you've been invited to in the last six months. And here you are, you know, on your third round of IVF, right? It could be, you know, at church when that fifth person or that sixth person asks you why y'all haven't started a family yet. And that's about the, you know, 12th time you've heard it in the last few months and the fifth or sixth time you've heard it in the last week. Um, and so because you don't have a place to go to really talk about that and to commune with other women who are going through it, you can lose it. And people are like, what's wrong with her? You know, but you don't realize how much they're trying, um, how much they're trying just period, you know, you don't realize. And what you're saying isn't helping. Let me just say that people, you know, sometimes keep, it's just, you know, you're wondering why they haven't started a family. Just wonder silently. Just don't, don't like, just wonder in your head. Don't say it out loud. Um, Cause it isn't helpful. And I know for me, and then we've talked about this before too. I tried joining a support group. I was the only person of color there. And when I finally got the nerve to, or the courage to speak my truth, it was, Oh, is she okay? I'm just concerned about the way she was talking. And I'm thinking, I didn't say anything anybody else didn't say in here. So um, that was my experience. And imagine if you are there pouring out your heart because you're trying to have a baby and you get a response similar to the one I got when I was there pouring out my heart about what was going on with my daughter. Um, I just think you need a safe space to be able to talk openly about it. We should be able to say the word menstrual cycle, period, uterus, you know, ovaries, and not feel like we're, we're saying like cuss words or whatever. Um, it's a natural part of what is supposed to be the childbearing process. And when it isn't working correctly, it can be devastating. And um, I'm going to put some resources for those of you who maybe have been diagnosed with endometriosis and you don't know exactly what it is or what your options are. I chose to have a hysterectomy, but there are other options, obviously, um, that you may want to research and take a look at and just arm yourself with that information um, as you talk with your doctors and as you um, have that dialogue because at the end of the day it's your body and it should be your your choice to make I know it doesn't always happen that way it took me 20 some years to have my choice validated and heard um but I got there but there are all types of treatment depending on how bad the endometriosis is you know whether or not you want to have a child naturally um, all of those things and so I think that um you know it's an important topic for us to research for us to be able to talk about for people to be more uh, sympathetic about um, because it can be very, very um, isolating, I guess, for lack of a better word. And so um, shout out to all of the women who have reached out to me and who have had the courage to talk about what they're going through. Shout out to those who are, you know, silently struggling with it and who maybe just aren't ready yet. And that's okay too. But I encourage you to find 
somebody that you can lean on when you're giving yourself those shots and uh, are you on your second or third round and it still hasn't worked or you've been to your third or fourth doctor and the news isn't what you want it to be. Um, I encourage you to find somebody that you can lean on and talk to and uh, who can sympathize and husbands are great to be there for support, but there's nothing like talking to another sister who was on that same road. And maybe it was the first two that didn't take. And on that third try, she was able to conceive this beautiful baby boy or girl, you know, and so you can see that hope by talking to her or you can um, hold each other up when the both of you are on your second or third round and it still hasn't worked. And now you're at a crossroads because you don't have the money to do it again and you don't know what you're going to do. And maybe she's thought of something that you hadn't thought of or vice versa. And so while it's nothing against husbands and we want you all to be there, my husband has been very supportive. Whatever I wanted to do in terms of my body, he was on board with that. Um, He didn't want me to have any more procedures either. Uh, He wasn't a man who was so hell bent on trying to have a child biologically that it didn't matter what it was going to do to my body. Right. Because we are the ones that are going through the shots and the egg retrievals and the all of that. Um, And not that they don't have to deal with the struggle too. you know, the timing of having sex. It's no longer just about intimacy, but you got to have it at this time and all of that. Um, And so shout out to husbands who are there to hold their wives up. And um, to my husband, who was a champion of whatever I wanted, it, it's just, it's different when it's a person who is on that same very difficult, rocky, uneven road. And it is all of those things. Um, and so just know that I'm loving on all of you guys. Um, that I am working on guests who can give us more uh, technical information, medical information. Again, I'm not an expert. I'm just a woman who was on that road like you guys were. And I know how difficult it was for me just in my small journey there. I know that it has to be even harder for you all. And I wanted to acknowledge that this month, all of us who have been uh, dealing with endometriosis, who feel like we can't say out loud that that's what it is because again sometimes we trivialize the pain we're in because it's like oh my god it's just related to your period but it's so much more than that and so big ups to all of us who get up every day even when we're in pain even when we don't feel like it even when we know other people aren't going to get it if you want to reach out to me and we get our own support group started because there aren't very many support groups uh, in the United States for women of color to talk about these things. I found some great resources for us online. Um, If you're in my area, hey, the pandemic has taught us that we can do things virtually. So if a group of you want to reach out and we set up a time to meet and talk, I am here for that also. Um, I couldn't let the month pass when I realized it was National Endometriosis Awareness Month without saying something about that and without letting you guys know um, that you have Uh, more information to look forward to. I've already reached out to some guests that I think will really be able um, to to lend some support and give you uh, important information. Uh, So this was a fairly short one for today. 
Um, as for my journey, I am uh, still on the road to recovery. Uh, learning, as I think I may have said before, that 40-something in surgery is not the same as 20-something in surgery. Um, having a couple of things going on that I'll probably go back to the doctor and see what that's about. Um, but for the most part, I am mending and healing quite well um, and still getting a lot of well wishes from people. And I appreciate you guys for all of that. Um, so that's it for today. Um, if there's anything you want to hear us talk about on In My Shoes, you know what to do. You can hit me up at KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. That is KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. And until our next episode, be blessed.